I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. I'm meteorologist Rod Hill for Epic. Are you ready? Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I want to talk about this. I want to start here, but it is First Amendment Friday. So, of course, your phone calls and your emails are welcome because we've been celebrating First Amendment Friday for over a quarter of a century. So we'll get to you know phone numbers and all that in just a moment. But I want you to consider something. The federal constitution, the U.S. Constitution, and every single state constitution in America says that owning a gun, keeping and bearing arms, no matter how they word it, it's worded that way in the federal constitution. In state constitutions, the wording tends to be a little bit different. And, of course, we've got 50 different state constitutions, 58 if you're an Obama fan, um, that all word it a little bit differently. But they say that owning a gun is an individual right. And for those of you who say, no, no, it's a collective right, it's a militia right, blah, blah. No, the U.S. Supreme Court has already ruled on that. The entire first Ten Amendments to the Constitution, the so-called Bill of Rights, is, in fact, a list of limitations on the government taking away individual rights from you. And you need to understand that, because when you see, say, the First Amendment that says, well, the First Amendment says you have freedom of speech and freedom of the press and freedom of religion. It doesn't say that freedom of religion is a collective right. That if you're a member of a mega church or you, uh, you know, you go to a big mosque that has a lot of adherents going there or you have a, a large synagogue that religion is a, a collective right. No, it's not. It is an individual right of citizens and that right came from God and the government is forbidden to interfere with it. So federal and state constitutions say that owning guns is a right. But now states are starting to say, we won't interfere. I mean, many of them are, but we won't interfere with your right to own a gun. But we're going to interfere with your right to buy ammunition for the gun, which is kind of like saying you can have free speech. You can have freedom of the press, 
but we're going to license and tax and get in your way if you try to write anything down, if you try to broadcast anything. These days, if you try to put something on social media. I'll give you a couple of examples. There are now two states in America. California did it last fall. And now the state of Washington is proposing to do the same thing, to put a tax on both firearms and ammunition. California did it. In October of last year, Governor Gavin Newsom decided they would add an 11% state tax on firearms and ammunition. In other words, we're going to cut a lot of people economically out of the ability to own a gun and to buy the ammunition to put in the gun. And now the state of Washington is trying to do the very same thing. And here's where it gets really offensive. In the bill they've written to add, not co or coincidentally, an 11% tax. So California does an 11% tax on guns and ammunition. And now, now the state of Washington wants to put an 11% tax on ammunition for the privilege of buying bullets. In other words, they're trying to change the conversation to some extent and say, well, you uh, owning a gun, that's a God-given right. But buying ammunition, that is in fact a privilege that government allows you to engage in. Now imagine this. I mean, I have a dog in the fight. I own guns. I'm a member of the NRA. I'm a member of other gun rights groups. But to say to people, you have the right to own the gun, but owning the ammunition is a privilege extended to you by your friends in government. And any privilege you get from the government is something the government can go ahead and take away. Now, I want to invite you to First Amendment Friday, and then I'll give you some more details on this. If you'd like to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. If you happen to be a naysayer, you disagree with my point of view, why, you're more than welcome. Naysayers go to the head of the line on this program, always have, always will. If you want to send me an email instead, that's easy to remember, talk at LarsLarson.com. And if you'd like to vote in our X poll, we had to ch change the name. It used to be Twitter. Now it's X. You can find the poll question two places at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. But back to the gun issue. As I said, I have a dog in the fight. I own guns. I own ammunition. And I consider owning both of them the same thing. That is... If I have a right to keep and bear arms under the U.S. Constitution and under the Constitution at the state level of any state in America that I would choose to live in, if you want to get in the way of that, you best go out and change the Second Amendment. You best go out and change that state constitution. And one side note, that is that most of the state constitutions that have a protection of the right to keep and bear arms are even better written and more solid and less... Uh, I guess, optional uh, than, than people have seen the Second Amendment at the federal level as. There are people who get into constant arguments. They don't pay attention to the comma that exists in the Second Amendment of the federal Constitution. They also don't pay attention to all the decisions that have come down from the U United States Supreme Court that have made it very, very clear. Owning a gun is a God-given individual right. It is not a right that was created by government. It was not a right that was created by the Second Amendment. It is a God-given right. The Second Amendment tells the government, don't mess with this right. And people need to understand that as well.
And I guess these days, given the state of America's schools right now, I'm not that surprised that a lot of kids come out of school thinking, well, I get these rights from the government, and the government can take them away anytime it wants. No, no, you don't. You get the rights by being a human being and living in the United States of America. And in fact, our Constitution extends to everybody in this country, not just citizens, not just green card holders, whether you like it or not. And I might even entertain the idea of rewriting that part. Should the Constitution apply to non-citizens, to even to illegal aliens? Well, it does. Whether you like it or not, it does. But would I rewrite it? I might be inclined to rewrite that. But so far, they have not rewritten the Second Amendment of the Constitution. So now we've got two states out of 50 that have decided to start putting a tax on ammunition. As far as I'm concerned, a tax on ammunition is about as un-American and unconstitutional as if they put a tax on free speech, which I'd have to pay a lot for because I engage in a lot of free speech every day. It'd be like putting a tax on Bibles or putting a tax on church attendance, saying you're not allowed to attend unless you pay the government a tax. Heck, they even decided a long time ago because Democrats in America's South decided to put a tax, a poll tax, on voting. And they said, you can't do a poll tax on voting. That's not constitutional. I also think that when California, who's already done it, uh, Gavin Newsom signed the law last fall, and Washington State, which is proposing a tax on ammunition because they consider it a privilege to own a gun and a privilege to be able to buy ammunition for it, I think that is just dead wrong and unconstitutional. It is First Amendment Friday. Your phone calls are always welcome at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll or X poll. You can find that at Lars Larson Show on our website and at Lars Larson Show on X. Glad to have you with me, and uh, I'll take your calls and all. The Northwest nonsense is coming up in just a moment. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. I know y'all think it takes balls to be singing what I'm singing, but I'm just saying what you're thinking. This is the Lars Larson Show. 
That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know he got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. In line with First Amendment Friday today, I have a confession for you. I'm straight. I have been all my life. Thanks to God, women are the best thing in creation. Based on today's news, I'd be in serious trouble if I were still in high school. For reasons no sensible person can explain, a Seattle teacher lambasted one student for describing himself as straight. Uh, Ian Golash, might be Goulash, but I think it's Golash, chair of social studies at Chief Seattle international high school in seattle told students that saying they are straight is offensive and that they should find a different way to describe it who knew a worksheet in this crazy class asks students to consider their own racial ethnic gender and economic status as well as their sexual orientation Sounds like a major league guilt trip for the mainstream kids. This taxpayer-funded indoctrinator, Mr. Golosh, tells students, I do not use the term straight because it implies that not to be straight is to be crooked, and that sounds bad. The teacher went on to condemn other male students as products of the patriarchy. Maybe Mr. Golash doesn't know the history of the word straight, which gay Americans invented as a term to describe homosexuals who had left the lifestyle. No wonder your kids can't learn when they're spending time on this garbage. My advice, take your kids straight out of those failed government indoctrination camps. Get them homeschooling, get them private schooling, get them charter schooling. Get them away from the crazy people in the government schools. Our question of the day on this First Amendment Friday, why in the world are we spending $700,000 to prevent boys from getting pregnant? Well, there is a catch in this one. It's the Biden administration. And by the way, Joe Biden just today walked into a coffee shop and he introduced himself by saying, I'm Joe Biden. I work for the government in the U.S. Senate. I kid you not. The guy doesn't even know who he is or what his job is. And he's the guy with his finger on the button, as the Democrats used to like to remind us when Donald Trump was running and when Ronald Reagan was running. Well, the Biden administration is setting out $700,000 to support the creation of a national pregnancy prevention program for boys, transgender boys. Now, this seems to be acknowledging that transgender boys, in the current terminology, is actually girls pretending to be boys, which means in most cases they still have all the plumbing that they need to be able to get pregnant, which is why they are putting up $700,000 to keep boys from getting pregnant, the boys who are Aren't really boys. The program will utilize a text messaging program that was designed for, quote, cisgender sexual minority girls between the ages of 14 and 18. So they're going to take the program that's actually for girls and use it on girls who are pretending to be boys. And it's $700,000 in your taxpayer money. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. Stop.
For all the reasons I mentioned a moment ago, the ammunition tax and those proposing it, Democrats, all of them in the Washington state legislature, proposing an 11 percent tax. And that would apply to the entire purchase, which means it applies on top of the sales tax you're already paying. They're just trying to discourage some Americans and in some cases make it impossible economically for some Americans to exercise their Second Amendment rights. I would think the same thing of a tax on Bibles or printing presses or anything like that. Today's best email on a First Amendment Friday comes from the guy who signs himself Texas Bill. Hey, Lars, the talking heads on TV keep saying that Trump has a good chance of winning the next election. I've said the same thing. I think it's true. He says they are wrong. They thought there would be a big red wave and wave in the last two elections. It didn't happen. Now elections are won with mail-in votes, not people. Democrats buy the people who count the votes. They're not going to waste a lot of time and money getting people to vote for them. Democrats are masters at fraud, signed Texas Bill. To your calls now at 866-HEY-LARS on a First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest Network. Let's start with Brooks listening on our flagship station, KXL. How are you doing, Brooks? Hey, Lars, I'm great. I'm really happy to be on the show. Thank you. What's on your mind? Well, um, I think that I heard you say a few minutes ago that owning a gun is a God-given right. Did I hear you yes. correctly? All of the rights contained in the Constitution are God-given rights. Yes. Okay, so, so here's the deal. I, I love guns. I'm a gun owner. I'm, I'm with you on all that. The, the ammunition tax is crazy, but... I don't think the Constitution is like technically an inspired Word of God document. I don't think the Bible says that God gives us a right to own a gun. No, God didn't have to deal with that. That's 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 dealt with right here. But Brooks, tell me this: Do you think you have Second Amendment rights? Well, I know the, I know the Constitution says very clearly that we have Second Amendment rights. However, right. the Constitution isn't like the the, the rule of you know faith. The, the it well, no, it's not. I'm not talking document. about faith. I said, do you have a right to keep and bear arms if you are in the United States? Yeah, according to the Constitution, I do. However, I well, just no, hold on. Let, let me ask you the that. second. The second question is this: Where did you get that right? The Constitution says it's from God. However, I don't <laughs> think that the Bible says we own a we have a right to own a gun. The Bible doesn't, doesn't really have to say it. The Bible doesn't say a lot of things. I mean, I read the Bible almost every single night. We read it last night. It says a lot of things, but it also doesn't say a lot of things. So does that mean anything not mentioned in the Bible, like printing presses and social media and television and radio, that if the Bible doesn't say, you know, you, you have a right to get to... Uh, it, to, to speak freely on the radio or TV or social media. Well, the Bible didn't mention it, so therefore you don't have it. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that uh, if the Bible doesn't mention it, it's not real. However, I think that... You just did, though. To say that, no, to, to, to say that God says we have a right to own a gun, that's a tremendous... God leap. not said, <laughs> give. God gave. The fact that we were born as human beings, we have these rights, because otherwise... Did God in the Bible say you have a right of free speech? No, he does not. He How about really freedom of the press? Rights. How about freedom of the press? Uh, no, he does not say that. Did God weigh in on Fourth Amendment rights saying the police can't knock your door down and uh, take a look through your papers? No, not at all. And so, I'm Well, then they don't exist then, according to you, as God-given rights. They are God-given rights not. because any other interpretation, Brooks, is dangerous, and I'll tell you why. If the founders had believed that government gives rights, anything the government gives can be taken away by the government. And in fact, there are people in the government right now, like Joe Biden and his friends, who are trying to take away your rights of free speech and your rights to own a gun. 
So well, I, if completely, you... I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you that that is good policy. I just have a very hard time attaching God to it if God never well, said it. You have to say where it comes from, though, because, Brooks, you live in a house, right? I do. Do you have a right to live in that house? And where does the right come from? It comes from either a lease or a mortgage or the rent agreement you have with the person who owns it if you rent your house. You could say, I have a right to be in this house. Here's my lease. Well, if I ask you, where did you get your right to own a gun? And you say, from a piece of paper, and the government can take it away anytime they want. Are you sure you want to go there? Well, yes, I totally understand that attaching God's name to something gives it authority. However, I'm very hesitant to attach God's name to something like that. I don't think that God attached his name to that. He didn't have to. He gave us the rights. You got the Lars Larson Show. Thanks, bro. The Lars Larson Show. may talk about serious issues, but even Lars has a sense of humor. I have a joke for you. The government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently. <laughs> this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program on First Amendment Friday. Glad to be with you. I want to give you, uh, I want to introduce you to my friend Jason Williams. He's been on before. Uh, founder of the Taxpayers Association of Oregon. We're going to dig into some crazy new taxes. Three billion dollars in proposed new taxes. But first, Jason I hope you've heard the news today that the Oregon Supreme Court chickened out and said, you know, we think we'll wait for the U.S. Supreme Court to decide whether or not Donald Trump should be on the ballot or not. And I say chickened out. I like the result. I'm just saying I think they decided the discretion was the better part of valor. And they said, we're not we're not doing this one. We're not going to get slapped because they know, I think, to a fair certainty what the U.S. Supreme Court is going to do. They're going to tell Colorado and Maine, put him back on the ballot and shut up. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a little bit close. We averted something, but uh, we're going to have to win this one in the Supreme Court. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and so that's one big development that's happened just today. The Oregon Supreme Court announcing we're not going to hear this case until after the U.S. Supreme Court acts. Well, after the U.S. Supreme Court acts, they won't need to act. It'll be yes or no. And I don't know, do you see any real possibility that the nine justices, even though three of them are kind of loony, uh, would come out and say, sure, any state, for whatever reason it decides, can take somebody off an election ballot? Uh, I think Sotomayor and uh, Jackson would, would definitely uh, do that. I don't think Kagan, Kagan kind of uh, is, is very more fair-minded out, out of them all. But, yeah, there, there may be a chance one or two justices may just say, Yes, why not? And what a what a humiliating move, uh, move for them to come out with. Uh, it, say it's a 7-2, as you suggest, and I think you're about right. 7-2, to that's a pretty good slap down. Let's talk about these new taxes. And by the way, this is Governor Tina Kotek's Housing Production Advisory Council, because she came out in the campaign and when she first became governor and said, we're going to double the amount of housing production in Oregon, and she needs a pile of money to try to do that. How does she propose to get it? That's right. Kotech has this task force on how, uh, to tackle affordable housing, and on page 17, they have five tax ideas on how to raise more money for affordable housing. Number one, a personal income tax increase by half a percentage point for all brackets. Number two, Busting the Measure 50 uh, assessment limits so that way they could tax more 
uh, on your property tax. Number three, a 0.5% retail sales tax. So they'll tax you when you're buying clothes, when you're buying anything at the store. Number four, a 0.5% payroll tax. The, the idea of these payroll taxes is something new, Lars, because it, they did it a few years ago where they said a payroll tax for transit, and everyone has this little, small little payroll tax. And then they did it with the paid family leave, these tiny little payroll taxes. And then now, the number five, doubling the fuel tax. So they want to raise nearly $3 billion, or up to $3 billion, as a way of paying for more housing, which is going to create poverty. If you double the gas tax and do tolls, so we're paying, we're paying triple more in cost trying to just get to work, you're going to send people into poverty. And the more people that get into poverty in Oregon, the more Kotec comes around and says, we'll subsidize your rent, we'll pay you to stay home, and then they have to raise more taxes to pay to subsidize more people in poverty. But this is all happening right before the February 30-day super fast special legislative session. Where a lot of those lawmakers may figure we can walk in and pass this one, and by the time anybody notices, we'll already be back home and safely out of the range of fire. Exactly. And it allows them to have super quick public hearings. It's harder to, uh, to, have, to, to let the public be notified. It's harder to get people to testify. So this way, they have these public hearings. They have them quickly. They have all of their friends already on the invite list before they get to the members of the public. And then they ramrod it through in 30 days. And this is a preferred way of passing big taxes where the public doesn't even know it. So what we're doing is we're trying to get people to say, contact your lawmaker right now. Kotec has floated this, these five taxes, and it, it may be coming up in February. Why don't we talk to our lawmakers today? So we put up an alert on Oregon Watchdog, and we're asking people to call your lawmaker. Say no new taxes. Don't go into the February special session and speed through taxes where the public doesn't have a chance to share their voice. I'm talking to Jason Williams. He's the founder of the Taxpayers Association of Oregon. It's been around for decades, and they're a great asset. Do you mind if I go back through that list a little bit? Because there's one thing, and you would never call me a progressive, and I would never call myself a progressive, but Oregon has a somewhat progressive system for income taxes in that it says you, you, know, you pay more if you make more. Now, it's not, say, as progressive to say, the federal tax code, but, but it does charge people who make a lot of money more. It charges people who make smaller amounts of money less, and some people actually earn some income that's completely exempt from the tax. But let's start with the doubling fuel tax. You double the fuel tax. Which economic group gets hit hardest by that? Oh, that's, it's the lower income people get smashed. The person who has to go to work every day has to put gas in the car, and they get yeah. hit hard. Somebody like you, somebody like me says, I'm not worried. I mean, not that I'm not worried about it. I, I don't like the idea of the new taxes, but am I sweating whether or not this new cost of gasoline is going to leave me short of money for groceries at the end of the week? I'm not. But there are a lot of people who are. This will be taking money that they need for other things, and they don't have the excess income. A new payroll tax. This applies up and down the economic spectrum, all the way from Phil Knight to the, uh, the, the part-time minimum wage worker, doesn't it? Yes. Everyone hits everyone. And, uh, by the way, on income tax, when you look at effective income tax rate, like with the average middle-class person, they took $75,000. Oregon is number one for 
income taxes for the middle class if you use that $75,000 mark. CNBC did a report on it. So we, by this measure, are the number one middle class tax state in America. In America. And here, yeah, in America. And here Kotech is saying, let's make it higher with both a personal income tax increase and a payroll tax and a retail sales tax that's been a retail sales tax has been voted down nine different times in this state hasn't it yeah sales tax you, you bet you bet and they they squeezed in that hidden business sales tax called the corporate activity the, tax, the cat tax which yeah. destroyed which by the, the way Bimart destroyed all, all all the pharmacies got wiped out by it. a lot of other companies got wiped out by it and then a property tax increase so they're going to make housing more affordable by charging everybody who owes who owns their own housing more money to stay in their housing yes yes make housing more affordable by raising property taxes it's insane and the other crazy thing that government's doing like with metro they're buying tens of thousands of acres of land and taking it off the market so, and so that people cannot build there and so it's like wait a minute you're raising the price of houses and then you are taking house housing lots off the market the younger generation is saying i am i ever going to be able to own a home we want you to own a home we want you to have a stake in Oregon. We want you to live here. We, but these taxes will throw people into poverty, and then what are we going to be left with? We're tired. By the way, Jason, Jason, I usually get people saying, but what's your solution? I'll tell you what. I'll give you two things, Jason. Yeah. Number one, yeah. lift the urban growth boundaries. That immediately yeah. makes property less expensive. Number two, have a one, two, three-year moratorium on all system development charges and say to any builders if you can get your project you're actually turning dirt within the next one year two years three years all system development charges are simply waived you would spur a you would spur an amazing amount of new construction and the yeah. creation of housing that is jason williams jason is the founder of the taxpayers association of oregon and you can find them at oregon catalyst .org. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls on a First Amendment Friday, live on the Radio Northwest Network, serving the Pacific Northwest for the last 24 years. Here's an idea. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all the capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Ever wonder what a 
vegan actually is? They say cows are bad for the environment because all they do is eat plants and fart, just like vegans. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. The poll on X, which we used to call the Twitter poll, now called the poll on X. If the government put a tax on ammunition, as Washington State is proposing to do, as California has already done, does that cross the Second Amendment line? I would say yes. I think it does. I think it infringes on the ability of citizens, especially citizens of smaller incomes, to be able to buy ammunition. And what good is a gun if it's not full of bullets or shells? So I'd answer yes. You can answer any way you like. At Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let me go first to Chelsea. Chelsea, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Um, big time fan of yours. So is my Thank family. You. Um, I just wanted to add to your, um, basically your poll, what you said to the guy who was, you were explaining to how um, our uh, constitutional rights were our God-given rights. Yep. Um, I actually looked it up. And Jesus actually says to his disciples during the Last Supper, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So yep. basically he's telling his, his followers to go and arm themselves to defend themselves. Because he knew they were up against some fierce opposition. And in fact, uh, most, most of them died. The disciples died because they stuck to their yeah. beliefs. And, and he told them, if, even if you have to sell your cloak, which I think back in the day would have been, that's your most essential garment, uh, to be able to wear, to be able to sleep in it or, you know, shelter yourself from weather. The Middle East or, you know, Jewish, uh, Israel has some pretty tough weather. It's a desert. So I think you're absolutely right. I've had people say, well, Jesus didn't believe in the right of self-defense. He most certainly did. And you can make the case right out of the book. And Chelsea, thank you for the call. Let's go to Charlie. Hey, Charlie, thanks for listening on the uh, Radio Northwest Network and KWRO in Coos Bay. What's on your mind on a First Amendment Friday? Short preface, then a comment. Uh, I'm an old beat-up Vietnam vet. Thank uh, you for your service. Uh, and thank you. At any rate, uh, while I admire what Donald Trump did for this country, uh, he is not someone I would care to sit and drink a beer with. Hmm. I would. At, but, but he doesn't drink, any, so at, you wouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> at any rate, uh, I think the Republican Party should draft Greg Abbott. Fortunately, he it's not their decision, is it, Charlie? Pardon? It's not their decision. It's the decision of the people uh, yes, of the United States, starting with Iowa and then New Hampshire, and a lot of primaries and caucuses yes. later. And uh, if the but, American but, public favors him now by a solid majority, who would the GOP be to say, we're going to substitute you know, the judgment of the party for the judgment of the people? You know how the bureaucracy works. They can draft him. And the reasons I say that is, number one, he identifies a problem. Number two... He develops a solution for that problem. Mm -hmm. Number three, he implements it. And number four, uh, he has the good sense not to want the job. And Trump doesn't do all the things you just mentioned? Uh, Trump's a bozo. Uh, yeah. I, I rate, disagree. Charlie, I, you can cite accomplishments of John, Donald Trump in his first term. 
You can also say the things that wouldn't have happened for the last three years if he had stayed as president. We wouldn't be at war in Ukraine. We wouldn't have China threatening us over Taiwan. We wouldn't have a disastrous economy. We wouldn't have doubled mortgage rates. We wouldn't have unemployment that we're now glad that is back down to three and a half percent. Charlie, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you. And frankly, if the Republican Party had the temerity to say we're going to substitute Greg Abbott or anybody else for Donald Trump, I would hope that the the American people, Republicans and conservatives, would say, how dare you take the choice away from us? We won't vote for your candidate either. Let's go to Tyler. Hey, Tyler, thanks for calling from Tumalo. What's on your mind? Well, good afternoon, Lars. What's on your mind, Tyler? Yeah, no, well, you were talking at the beginning of the show about the tax on ammunition. The proposed one in Washington State, the one that's already in the law in California. It's crazy. The one that's already in California. Well, I have the solution. I understand a lot of people can't do it. But if you buy your components, your brass, your primers, your powder, and your lead, you can circumvent this tax. Does it circumvent? I, I'm not sure. I, You know, I read most of the bill this morning, but I didn't read down to whether or not they applied it to reloading equipment and supplies, and they might well have. Well, anyway, I'm not going to divulge where I get my primers and powder, but anyway, that is one way around this particular activity. Reloading. By the way, do you, do you know that I know where you get your primers and powder for the most part? People who do reloading are primarily buying the primers and the powder from the same people who make packaged ammunition. Uh, it's just overages those companies have. And, and what happens is when they get high demand, then primer and powder starts to disappear. So if they start putting a tax on the other products, it's going to make it tougher to find those supplies as well, won't it? Well, not necessarily. If you stock up, I buy my primers in bulk, about 5000 at a time. Well, I'll tell you what, Tyler, I think the same approach can be had when it comes to a tax on ammunition. If the Washington legislature is crazy enough to consider this bill and to say we want an 11% tax on all, all ammunition that is sold to citizens in the state of Washington, you can bet a whole lot of people are going to be buying their bullets cheap and burying them deep. It's First Amendment Friday. It's the Radio Northwest Network, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Are you ready? Friday, 
Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. I'm the line dog face pony soul. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. We've got some great news. Initiative 2113 in Washington State on police pursuits has now been officially certified, and that means that we can get some something done about this. The fact that they'd pass a law that forbid the, forbade the police from being able to chase bad guys was absolutely insane. And we've told you about a number of cases where arguably people lost their lives because of this prohibition on the police taking actions. But it's Friday. It is First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me join me in welcoming Senator Don Benton back on the show, although currently retired. Uh, Don, how are you? Hey, good to talk to you, Lars. Thanks for having me on. Former head of the Selective Service, and you wouldn't believe how often your name comes up on the show when people call with Selective Service <laughs> issues, but you called about a much more pressing matter, and that is the fact that you're not going let, to get, let weather get in the way of tomorrow's Republican uh, caucuses, are you? Well, no, we're not. Some counties are. There's, a, there's already had three counties. Clark is one of them that has canceled the caucuses for tomorrow, which is very unfortunate. Uh, but they're going on all over the state. I know you broadcast all over the state. So I want to remind Trump uh, supporters to get out tomorrow to the caucuses. Uh, it's very People, I don't think they quite understand. They elect delegates tomorrow for the county convention. County convention delegates go to the state convention and so on. And so if if you want to eliminate any dissidents or problems going forward, you want to elect only Trump delegates to your county convention. So if you're a Trump supporter, two hours in four years is all we ask. Show up tomorrow at the caucuses uh, and and become a delegate for Donald Trump to the Washington State caucuses. Very important for the caucus process for Trumpsters to show up tomorrow. Uh, you have to be there before 930. They'll close the doors at 10. So you've got to get in before 10. And it only lasts. Uh, two hours. It'll be over by noon, and you can go on your way. But that two hours is going to be the most important two hours for Trump in uh, in this whole cycle for Washington State. What happens if the state of Washington says we're going to take him off the ballot? Because I know Oregon just had its Supreme Court say, we're not going to make the decision. We'll wait for the Supremes. And I'm, I'm fairly confident the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say to all these crazy states, you can't take the man's name off the ballot. But what happens if, I mean, there are lawsuits in virtually every state in america that are asking that his name be taken off the ballot and some of the states have said and if we take him off the ballot we're not going to count write-in votes for him either so what what possible effect say the supreme court does not uh back donald trump in this case or back his name on the ballot uh and it goes to the states and these lawsuits are successful does that have an effect at all in washington state well it depends on what they do in washington state the secretary of state said he's not going to get involved. He's going to remain neutral until something happens. It is ludicrous for anyone in America to think that you could keep anyone off of a ballot that hasn't been convicted of any kind of a crime. Honestly, it's somebody's opinion. In Maine, it was the Secretary of State's opinion. You know, it's it, 
This used to be a country, Lars, where you were innocent until you were proven guilty. What happened to that? I agree uh, with you. No, I mean, you sound like no, me because because you've got Colorado no, where they found him. The in Colorado, the Supreme Court judges found him guilty of a crime he had never been indicted for and said, we've exactly. decided he's guilty based on a partisan document, the J6 report, and uh, and he's guilty. No, no trial, no jury, no confronting your accusers, no calling witnesses, none of that. And, and they just said, we're going to find him guilty. It's, it's bizarre times, Don. Well, and yesterday we have a judge that says you can't even speak to defend yourself in open court. I mean, what is happening in this country where we are afraid of the other side's argument? That's crazy. Uh, we're, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things we want to fight against and stand up for. We want to stand up for the concept that you're innocent until proven guilty. And you can do that by showing up at the caucuses tomorrow. It's really important that uh, the Trump folks turn out tomorrow and you stay till the end. It'll be finished by 1130. You stay to the end. Make sure that the delegate to the county convention is the, is the Trump delegate. The Trump, uh, uh, you, stand up. Go there and say, I'm standing up to be a Trump delegate. Show up at the caucuses. And go to this website if you don't know where to go, DonaldJTrump.com forward slash Washington, and it will take you right to a page where you can put in your name, find out what your precinct number is, and where your precinct is caucusing, okay? So it's DonaldJTrump.com forward slash Washington. Take you right to a page where you can put in, find out where your precinct is. Now, remember, yep. if you're in Wakayakum, Cowlitz, or Clark, They've just put out a notice canceling those caucuses for tomorrow because of weather. But in, Does that mean there's you know, a make good? Is there a make good for yeah. that? Yes, and it hasn't been announced yet, but it will likely oh. be next Saturday. Okay, Okay. because it's Lauren Colas just wrote to me and said, hey, I was at the meeting. They weren't canceled. They were postponed. We have 21 days to reschedule. Executive board is working on finding a date and location. This is beyond our control. Right. The majority of the locations are schools. And the schools are closed tomorrow during due to impending weather. So it's, it's postponed, yeah, yeah. I guess. If you're supposed to go to something tomorrow and it's not happening, that's called canceled. Okay. Yeah. Now, will they reschedule <laughs> it? Yes. Is it going to be rescheduled? <laughs> they tell me they will be. I, I would like to have them put the date out for that right now so that we know. But I would imagine it will be very soon, likely next weekend. But, yes, in those three counties, they will still hold caucuses, but they won't be tomorrow. You know, Don, you, you sound like me when we get into the minutia. Somebody will call up and say, Lars, it's not canceled. It's only postponed. I say, well, if it's canceled and it hasn't been rescheduled, then it's canceled until, until you've rescheduled I, exactly. it. I mean, you wouldn't believe the discussions we get into that get into that kind of minutia. <laughs> the point is, don't show up tomorrow. The, the doors won't be open. And, and the school districts made it difficult for us because they said if they're not going to open for weather today, then they're certainly not going to open for weather tomorrow. So that put the that put the people, the party, and everybody that's sponsoring the caucuses in kind of a bind, right? Yep, absolutely. Hey, I want to ask you something. In the next ten months until the election, they've tried everything. You know, they've tried indictments, ninety-one of them. They tried all these other things. They haven't stopped them yet. What a, where do you see this going, and how much more extreme are the Democrats going to get in their efforts to stop Donald Trump, legally or not? 
it, it will get even more extreme. Who knows what they're cooking up? But th- this president has withstood the onslaught of attacks like nobody else in the history of America. It's unbelievable that he's still willing to serve us. And thank God that he is, because this this mess needs to be cleaned up. This isn't the America that you and I signed on for. Uh, no. What's going on now with thousands every single day, 10, 12,000 a day, pouring across our border. We're being completely invaded. People need to think, who's going to build the schools, the water treatment plants, sewage treatment plants, for 10,000 new residents a day every single day? It, uh, it's absolutely crazy. Don Benton, Don, thanks for the heads up about the Trump caucuses. In a moment, your phone calls and emails and the new way they're going to cheat in the 2020 election using illegal aliens. That's next on First Amendment Friday. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. At least someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. So you wonder if the Democrats cheated in 2020, and they did, and they want to win an election with a failed candidate, already failed candidate like Joe Biden. What are they going to do in 2024? And the answer is they're going to cheat again, except like most clever thieves or criminals, they're not going to cheat the same way. They're going to cheat by using illegal aliens. And before you say, but Lars, illegal aliens who are not citizens cannot vote, uh, perish that thought, because uh, they can. They're going to be allowed to vote. This is going to be engineered, and I'm going to tell you how in just a moment. First, welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Uh, and if you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Uh, and uh, you can also vote in our, our X poll. You'll find that at Lars Larson, shown at LarsLarson.com. Darren's on the line from Canada. Darren, I don't hear from Canada very often, but I love getting the call. What's on your mind, well, and welcome. Well, sir, first of all, thank you very much for taking the call. The wife and I, any chance we're together, we, you know, she listens to your show all the time, and any time we're together, we listen to your show. And you know why we listen to it? No, it's tell the me. only radio show with common sense. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's all, I mean, sir, some of the people that phone in don't have any common sense, but most people do, generally. And I don't understand, like, 
like, because I'm from Canada, you know, and I have lots of American friends, and that, and that's why, you know, a lot, you know, America was built on, like, great things like Ford, Levi's, jeans, all those businesses made, and Chevy, of course, uh, made, made America great. And then for some reason, Lars, people have forgotten. I don't get it. It's like the Democrats, it's like, to me, I, I think it's like a cult. When people are in a cult, they make really bad decisions. Their eyes are blinded by all this, this, this push by this cult, and they make crazy decisions. You cannot tell me that having you guys are getting invaded, if you don't see that as a full-on invasion, you're blinded. It's crazy. Like Britain had, uh, had mass immigration. It crippled Britain, and it's yep. just getting worse and worse. you got communities saying that they want Shirley law or whatever that is. Stoning Sharia. People. Yeah, it's called yeah. Sharia yeah. law yeah. where, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so obscene. It's, it's Muslim Sharia law and it's so obscene. You can't believe it. But Darren, I, I, I take your point. I mean, in some ways, Darren, you ever run it, you ever seen people uh, at a, I see them at a distance. I don't know any people personally like this who've inherited a lot of money and then they become liberals. And they're anti, they're anti-capitalist. They're anti this. They want gigantic taxes, mostly because they grew up with everything they'd ever want and know that they'd have it for the rest of their lives. And they've had it so good that they then say, well, I feel guilty about that. And I, th I think they're Americans. I mean, you see American kids on college campuses who are in one of the most elite groups in the world because you got eight billion people. And a tiny percentage of them are Americans, and a tiny percentage of those ever get to go to college and spend four years just studying something, knowing that you're going to walk out into probably a six-figure job and a nice life for the rest of your life. That does not describe the vast majority of the eight billion people on this planet. So they're the super, super elite group that have then said, well... We hate the stuff that made all this possible for us. And you think, well, if you hate it so much, move to Sudan or move to Yemen and see how life, you know, to try a semester in Sudan. And, and then after that, tell us how much you hate the fact that America has capitalism and uh, God-given rights and a constitution and a court system, what it is today. I mean, you, you, you think maybe they just don't understand how the rest of the world lives and how tough it is. <laughs> And they've got it so good that they don't they don't see it. Yeah. So years ago, like maybe I think it was four years ago, the wife and I, we flew to Minot, North Dakota and drove back. And so we went to Mount Rushmore. It was wow. the bicentennial at Mount Rushmore. So I don't know if you're American listening, you need to go and see that. It's my and I'm from Canada. I've so seen it. it must, for an American, it would mean a lot more to you. So, anyway, so we went there. And it was a bicentennial and they were inviting all these military folks up to shake their hands down and it was at night it was breathtaking it was goosebumps because here all these soldiers have fought for america they stood for america so then the craziest thing now is that here you got the biden they're giving all this money away to these people that are legally coming in and then they chuck their veterans under the bus yep what did they give them did they give them gift cards for five grand to go live in a hotel no they have to fight they have to fight as a veteran to get anything from the government. And they fought for the U.S. It just, it just makes well, me sick. But, but, Darren, you know what? Your country's equally a mystery. I mean, I, I've been following oh, this guy, yeah. Pierre Polyev, you know, who's running oh, against yeah. that nitwit high school kid, Trudeau. And oh, you, yeah. you say, hold on, doesn't anybody get it? 
you know, the carbon tax is driving everybody in the poor house. And here's Polyev making all kinds of sense. And I'm thinking they ought to make him prime minister by acclamation. You know, well, heck with oh, the yeah. election. Just just put him in charge because Trudeau has taken your country from surpluses and, you know, and prosperity uh, into the dregs. And he's doing it because he's following the same kind of cultish behavior. He's behaving in the cult I'm a of the environment. Don't right? I'm having a happy day today. Don't start talking about my country because I'm not a happy Canadian. <laughs> anyway, well, so I got to tell you something. Two, two things, two things to close out on. Number sure. one, you, you married a very smart woman, and you know, and oh, to I gotta her, let her know that. And to her, make make sure she reminds you all the time that you married up. I I I love her to bits, and uh, yeah, smart decisions. You know, <laughs> you know, smart decisions. Listening to a great radio show. Thank you, Darren. And and there's a lot of great Americans that are fighting for America, and America needs to wake up because you guys are being invaded. And I just hope that I I don't just before you go away. I don't know if it's true. I, I heard that, What's that? they're going to allow them to be able to buy weapons. Immigrate immigrants could buy weapons. Like, yep. Really? Yep. Well, then they're they're going to start an army and, vote. and start fighting and and, and vote. Darren, I got to take it. Darren, I appreciate the call from Canada. Uh, let me go back to what I mentioned at the beginning of this segment, and that is: so you say, well, if you're not a citizen, you can't vote. Guess what? Arizona is offering the example of how the Biden crime family plans to hang on to power for Joe Biden, and that is. In Arizona, they're going to let illegal aliens vote in the presidential election. Arizona's being very clear about it. They ended up with Katie Hobbs as governor of the state instead of Carrie Lake, and that was because of cheating. And so what they're going to do, because Katie Hobbs used to be the secretary of state of Arizona, what they're going to do is they say, well, here in Arizona, we insist that you show proof of citizenship before you can vote in a state election. But if you won't show us proof of citizenship, we will still register you to vote, but we'll register you only for federal elections. Now, because the Supreme Court had struck down an Arizona law that required voters to show proof of citizenship in national elections. It was a seven to two decision. It was highly technical. But the bottom line was you can't vote in the state of Arizona. But you will, if you're an illegal alien, be able to vote in the federal election. Joe Biden not only wrecked America economically with 9 million illegal aliens and 10,000 more per day coming in every single day, but now he's got 9 million, maybe 8 million happy voters, illegal alien voters, and he's counting on them to push him across the finish line. It's First Amendment Friday, 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. The Lars Larson Show. Message from Lars. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Who's next? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And as we come up to Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 
Uh, and I'm glad that we recognize MLK because he was a great conservative. I know the liberals like to treat MLK as though he is the personal property of the Democrat National Committee, but he's not. He was a conservative. He was a man of the cloth. He believed in guns and carrying a gun to protect himself, and he did. He believed in the right to life. He be believed in faith and family. And did he have a flaw of flaws like uh, like all of us have flaws? Yeah. He had flaws, but uh, I don't focus on the flaws. I focus on some of the good things. So I thought I'd turn to the perfect guy to comment on this, and that's Bob Woodson, our friend who's civil rights veteran, urban community development leader, author, and founder of the Woodson Center, and also was involved in the 1776 Unites Project, the new book called Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Mr. Woodson, welcome back to the program. Uh, so delighted to be here. Absolutely. Is the America that we live in today the one that MLK Jr. would have wanted us to have arrived at no, in 2024? He would, be, he would be turning over in his grave if he's seen what is being done in the name of civil rights. Uh, what I love about Dr. King was he was a man, a leader who did not just reflect popular opinion or the consensus of the majority. He was willing to challenge and oppose it, even other civil rights leaders. People remember his, uh, his I Have a Dream speech, but the one that stands out for me, uh, that Nelson Mandela quoted when he was released from prison, is his letter from a Birmingham jail when he said that, they, they, that lukewarm, that the, the most difficult challenge that black Americans face is not the White Citizens Council or the KKK, it's lukewarm acceptance from uh, people of goodwill. It's more difficult to tolerate than outright rejection of people of ill will. And that got him in trouble with the leadership. Um, and, and, but he was saying that, that, and that's what he would be talking about, all of this DEI, all these things that are being done in the name of pursuing social justice. He would be uh, opposed to it because Dr. King said, that all of us, black America, must reach down into the deep, dark regions of our soul and sign in indelible ink our own emancipation proclamation. That the victimizer, i.e. racism and all, may have knocked us down, but it is the victim that must get up. Yep. And so that's the Dr. King that I, that who would be uh, front and center in opposition to this grievance-based agenda that masquerades as social justice. Well, doesn't that it's seem sad, Bob, that, large Bob, that, of blacks. You, that you've got people under DEI and CRT who want to tell young Americans who are black or brown, they say, you're a victim. You are a perpetual victim, and the person who's holding you down, the person with his boot on your neck, is a white person. Only because he has white skin, and you are a victim and incapable only because you have black or brown skin, that's incredibly debilitating. Uh, you know, to say, I'm always going to be a victim because of my skin color, and he's all, he or she is always going to be an oppressor because of his or her skin color. That's, that's a, and Absolutely. that sounds like something they, they want to be semi permanent, that that's a permanent view of America. Well, I think it's contributing to the, the Harvard study that talked about the high number of deaths among our young people, um, low expectations and a grievance-based worldview has trapped many low-income blacks in this intellectual prison. 
when you continue to bombard black children who are constantly being told this false notion that they live in a country that despises and hates them and they are oppressed, it shouldn't surprise anyone that after a while they may begin to feel as if they are unworthy. Yeah. It's the same with black children. If you tell them that they are defined, they are privileged oppressors, and they can begin to feel unworthy as well. That's why this Harvard study said that the leading cause of death of young children today is homicide among blacks uh, and, and even affluent uh, 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 f white families in Silicon Valley, the teenage suicide rate is six times the national average. Leading cause of death of poor whites in Appalachia is prescription drugs. So this is a this is this is fueling, I think, a moral and spiritual freefall that is destroying uh, hundred thousand of our young people every year. And 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 if, and if we if we must deracialize race, if we are to really stop this moral and free, spiritual freefall, we've got to get that off the agenda. You know, I'm talking to Bob Woodson, who's uh, the founder of the Woodson Center and the author most recently, or co-author, along with others, in the 1776 Unites Project of Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Do you know, I hear people, Bob, who are on the left, who will say, and it makes great fodder for my program, where they'll, they'll come out and say, why, we're looking at this in, in too much of a colorblind way, and I thought... The whole time I was growing up, it was like we should have a colorblind America where it doesn't matter what color you are when it comes to jobs or employment or, or access to anything in the in our society, whether it's a, a lunch counter uh, or a college, that we should be colorblind. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, the left seems to want us to become color conscious about everything. Well, but there's moral consistencies throughout. If you if black, you know, black men are 6% of the population, but they're 80% of the NFL and the NBA. Yeah, true. Does that mean that those uh, in, uh, uh, organizations discriminate against whites? No. <laughs> Think they about just that. happen to be very good. I mean, right. and, and when it comes to running, and it's... No, and there are no Asian ta there's no Asian tackles or Asian guards. <laughs> You know, is that because they discriminate against Asians in football? And, you know, you know and so I, Bob, my, my stat is 90%, 90% of all nurses in America are women, and only 10% are men. Does that mean all those hospitals right. and clinics are discriminating against men? No, it's it's choice. Well, you know, in, in our essays, we, we give an example of, of how when, when often when whites were at their worst, blacks were at their best. We give an example for a real quick one. About 1943, there were no black naval officers because they were denied because of their race. Dona Roosevelt persuaded her husband to train her. So the Navy selected 16 black men with college degrees and trained, and, and they said they're going to give them in eight weeks what they give white cadets in 16 weeks, hoping that they therefore will flunk out. Well, when these men found out about it, they covered the barracks with their blankets, and they stayed up and studied all night. And when they were tested at the end of eight weeks, they scored in the 90th percentile. They said, ah, oh, they cheated. So they took them individually. They retested them. They scored the 93rd percentile. 
13 of them, they're known as the Golden 13, they became the first black naval officers. Lars, that score still stands today in the Naval Training Academy as the highest scores ever obtained by a class graduating in that school today. If you we know, were Bob, able to achieve this then, why can't we do that today? We can, but what we can't do is tell kids you're perpetually a victim and you are perpetually a, a, a an oppressor and we've got to get to back to a colorblind America, and thank God there are people like you who are helping us get there. Bob, thanks very much. His latest book, Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. He is Bob Woodson, founder of the Woodson Center and Civil Rights Veteran. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls, 866-HEY-LARS. Emails go to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. And now, this musical message to anyone who wants to indoctrinate our school children. Hey, teacher, leave kids alone. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program and glad to get to your phone calls and emails. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network that for the last 24 years has been serving the interests of the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and now I guess we should add Canada as well. Uh, Matt Boomla joins me now, who's chair of the Clark County Republican Party. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing good, Lars. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, so I had Don Benton call in earlier saying, hey, we got to take care of these issues involving the caucuses. Tomorrow, three counties have canceled out because of weather. We understand that. Uh, but but I've had some people say, well, it, Don didn't have it exactly right. Is that the case? Uh, are there some other details that he missed? It sounds like, yeah, and Don's great. We love Don. He's a great patriot. He hasn't been involved in any of the planning of the caucuses or anything that's been going on. There's been a lot of hard work that's been going up for months. And uh, we wanted to make real clear that we were, our hands were tied. We did not want to cancel. We wanted to have the caucuses, but all of the school districts uh, are doing early release or canceling uh, sporting events, which they said if that happens, we will not open the doors. Uh, no fans or butts. We pushed hard. Uh, we couldn't uh, do that with the school board having an influence. So we've been, we, we tried, but now we're in a situation where we have to reschedule in the next 21 days starting tomorrow, which we're, 
working on as we speak. So we wanted to make sure listeners knew that we are working on it. We cannot get it as soon as next Saturday, which Don, I think, was trying to hope for. But we will be having announcements shortly on, on when the caucuses are happening and where. Just so long as it doesn't get pushed out too far. And, you know, when somebody had complained that Don had said canceled, well, I, I, I agree with him. If you've canceled something and you say, but we plan to reschedule it, yeah, and when you've rescheduled it, it'll be rescheduled. But until then, it's it's canceled. And that's that's a concern because we want Clark County and the other two counties represented when it comes to the uh, conferences. Yeah, absolutely. And we're on it. We were really disappointed to see it come this way. But uh, we had to actually fight with the WSRP a little bit because there was no rules that gave a provision for an alternate uh, date if anything really? were to happen. So we had to, yeah, so we had to what? have an emergency meeting a couple of days ago. Otherwise, that sounds like we would Democrats, have Matt. Doesn't that sound like Democrats yeah. not to have a plan B? Because, what, they assume yeah. that the caucuses will happen come hell or high water uh, and come school board closures or school closures or anything else. They're going to happen regardless, and there is no provision for a... I mean, the Founding Fathers wrote lots of provisions into the Constitution, too. If the president dies, yeah. this happens. How how could they not have a well, plan B? Well, when we brought it up, I we called an emergency meeting. We implored uh, our chairman, Jim Walsh, to do that, which he immediately did, which is great. And then when we had the exec, I'm on the executive board for the for the Washington State Party, and and so when we, I explained everybody what are the consequences if this if this doesn't take place, and I knew the answer. I just wanted everyone to hear it. And the consequences were that our delegates would not would be forfeited. They would not move on to state convention and and no. even the national. And so there was a lot at stake. And so once we explained the situation, this was out of our control. This is not something we're deciding on doing. It's at the mercy of the school districts. Everyone was very uh, understandable, and we we created a provision, but we just have to get it done in the next three weeks. So that's you, that's the deal. That's what we're working on. Hey, Matt, you know one thing I'd love to see every single Republican candidate talk about, even if it's made moot by the Supreme Court. I'd love every single one of them to say the Democrats are the ones who are trying to take names off the ballot. Now, the name in particular is Trump, but I don't think that I, yeah. I mean that matters. But it doesn't matter in the sense that. Which party says, we're not even going to put, we don't want your name on the ballot, we don't want, and these aren't the people who will be voting on Trump, they're the f folks who hate Trump. But the idea that you could be part of a party, and if you heard one Democrat stand up to say this is wrong, to deny voters the right to vote for this candidate or any other, because believe me, if they succeed with Trump, this will not be the last candidate yeah. who's stripped off a ballot. And that's such an anti, uh, not just un-American, it's anti-American. Yeah, well, and it's unfortunate that they're taking George Orwell's 1984 and not taking it as a warning, but as a playbook. And that's what we're seeing right now in all of that. By the way, the last time that a group, a large group of Democrats said, we're just not going to vote for one of the candidates at all, that was in 1860 with Abraham Lincoln, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you think about it now, doesn't it? I mean, his so, name yeah, wasn't we're, we're, literally taken off the ballot because they didn't have ballots like we have ballots today. They would have tickets. Uh, but but the Republican Party said, why put his name out for people in the South when none of the South is going to vote for him? But apparently nobody wrote him in or anything else. So you've got Democrats in 1860 saying, we won't vote for that guy at all. And now you've got Democrats in 2024 saying, we won't let Republicans vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, and, and, and it'd be great yeah. to see every single candidate running for every level of office from state legislature, county commission to say, will my opponent condemn 
the efforts to take Donald Trump off the ballot. Doesn't mean you have to support Trump. You just have to say people yeah. have a right to vote on it. And if my opponent won't condemn that, then what does that tell you about him? I, I think it'd be a great yeah. thing to point out in the middle of a, a public appearance with the opposing candidate. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, we're in weird times, but I, I, I think everyone should, you know, one, brace themselves and also get ready to be active because we need all hands on deck in every precinct, every county, every state in our country. Very good. Matt Boomla, who's chair of the Clark County Republican Party. I want to alert you to one thing. A case that the U.S. Supreme Court just announced they will hear, and it's called the Boise case. And if you haven't heard of it before, here's what it is. For about a decade or better, uh, the all of the homeless policies of the Pacific Northwest have been guided by this bad Boise decision that said cities and counties cannot clear out homeless camps unless every single person they try to clear out is offered an alternate place to live. The U.S. Supreme Court is going to consider that case, and it could be a major game changer when it comes to how homeless encampments are handled in the Pacific Northwest and around America. You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. And the lying dog face pony show. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank you, Mr. Friday. Happy Friday. This is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you live on the Radio Northwest Network with 24 years of serving the Pacific Northwest. I'll get back to your phone calls and emails in just a moment, but First Amendment Friday is the day for you to sound off. We also have a few people I wanted to talk to about specific things, especially with legislative sessions coming up in Oregon and Washington. 866-HEY-LARS, the number to call. Uh, if you're a naysayer, 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at Lars larson.com and don't forget to vote in our twitter poll or x poll uh we put it up on our account at x at lars larson show if the government puts a tax on ammunition as washington lawmakers are proposing to do does that cross the second amendment line i'd answer that one yes it's brought to you by ultimate truck services if you rely on trucks for business ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right find them at ultimate truck and join me in welcoming back to the program educate 
education expert, Leave Finna, director of the Center for Education at Washington Policy. Leave, I hope that Friday is treating you well. I made it to Friday, Lars. I am very happy it's Friday. <laughs> no, no doubt, especially with the, the weather coming down the throats of all of us in the Northwest. I want to ask you about something. I mean, one of the standard complaints I've had about the way that government schools have been failing the kids is that in almost every school district, there are a whole lot more administrators and administrative positions than there are teachers, that a tiny minority of the staff of most school districts in the Northwest is teachers. And the majority is something else, other people. And now there are lawmakers, all of them Democrats, who are saying we ought to have even more non-teaching employees and effectively <laughs> a smaller ratio of teachers. Are they really that crazy? Yes, they are. The bill is Senate Bill 5882, and I testified on it last week. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to cut the ratio of teachers in the public schools. Uh, by increasing the, race, the ratio of non-teachers. And if you look at the overall numbers, only about half of the employees in the public schools are teachers. So I have the actual numbers. We have 125,000 full-time employees in the public schools in Washington, and only 63,000 of those employees are <laughs> teachers. That's 50.5%. That means that 49.5%, the remaining how many is that? 59,000 people or so uh, are uh, non-teachers. And that all you need to do is look at then the, the dollar number, uh, which consistently shows that only 60 cents of every dollar actually gets to school classrooms in the public system, which tells you all you need to know, that there's do, too much Do they really need spent. that much administrative overhead to run the school? Because no. I understand somebody's going to no. call and say, well, they have to have janitors. Yes. And they have to have a principal, and uh, usually they have a vice principal, and then they have a bunch of other staff. How in the world can a, can a school get to the point, I'll, I'll give you Portland schools, I know the numbers there well, 8,800 employees, 3,800 teachers. And of the 3,800, yeah. uh, about one-third of them are not classroom teachers, they're doing something else. So if you look at the actual teachers, they're just they're just a bit over one quarter of all the employees of the school. It doesn't make sense. No, but it does make sense if you have a public school monopoly run by the government, right? So <laughs> if you just look at the way uh, the interest groups have become so powerful, uh, you know, in, within public education, they run down to the legislature and they say, we need more money for the schools. And so the schools get more money. What do the schools do? They don't. They don't really, it's much easier to hire a non-teacher than a teacher. And all the data shows that over the last 30 years that the rate of non-teacher uh, hiring has far exceeded the enrollment increase uh, and the rate of increase of teachers. So this is a real problem and uh, nothing is done about it. It just continues, continues and continues. Well, one of the things I have a tough time because I'll t I tell people regularly that one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful labor union in America is American teachers. They are, you know, they t tend to be well-educated as a group, they're well-compensated as a group, and their unions have lots and lots of money. So how is it that the teachers' unions have not fought this, and why are, why are their friends in the Democrat Party, all of them Democrats, I mean, Democrats like uh, Stanford from Shoreline and Wellman from Mercer Island and Hunt from Olympia and Peterson from Seattle and Wilson from Federal Way, they're all Democrats. 
How are all these f usual friends of the teachers' unions going in and doing something and saying, let's hire more people, just not teachers? That's, a, that's just a great question. I looked up how much money uh, in annual dues the WEA union gets, and the most uh, recent evidence, uh, most recent data available online for 2021 shows that their budget is $50.4 million annual budget from dues collected from teachers and other non-teaching staff in the public schools. So, so the WEA, the teachers union, also uh, represents non-teachers. So this, I think this answers your question. They, they are not really representing the, uh, they're just representing themselves, getting more power for themselves, more employees in the schools make the union more powerful. And that's what this is about because the more people that are in public education, they're all having to pay dues to the SEIU or WEA or whatever union they're in. There's, there's 16 different unions in the Seattle Public Schools representing the employees there. So we're talking about a very powerful force, and they just push for additional, you know, their budgets increase, that the union budgets increase when they increase the number of people in the public schools. And, and so, by the way, Leif, I think that? there's, is, is this a possible another component to this? And that is the teachers union say we're getting the same money in dues from the non-teachers as the teachers. And if the non-teachers are a teaching assistant, uh, other kinds of staff members who presumably don't have the educational credentials that teachers do, a lot of teachers with a decent degree, a math degree or something like that, can leave the schools and go to work in private industry. The other, they, they may be harder to control, but the, t you know, the person who's an education assistant, if you left the schools, what would you do as an alternate job that would pay you as much money? Probably not as many options as the teachers do. So for the unions, it's a more controllable group of members, isn't it? Yes, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point, and it just it it just adds to the argument that the public schools have become a you know a jobs program, unfortunately, and and you know these are protected jobs. They they don't get lost, you know they. They, they stay in place, and this is not really the purpose of public education, to provide comfortable public se sector jobs to people. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I get irritated always by the fact that they're not focusing on the education emergency in front of us. You know, remember, 61% of the students in Washington failed the spring administration of the state test in math. That's 61%. And so they're not so, – so, so the school – and 49% failed their the test in English. So the, the schools are – and they're getting $19,000 per student on average statewide. So with all this money, they, they're talking about expanding their budgets, getting more money, increasing taxes so they can get more power for themselves. They are not delivering on their responsibility to educate the children. No, they're not. That's Lee Fenna, the director of the Center for Education at the Washington Policy Center. Coming up, would you believe that Canada is considering giving fentanyl to children? You're listening to the Lars Larson Show. That's next and your calls. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. 
For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you, especially on a First Amendment Friday. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line as we do every other day of the week. But on First Amendment Friday, phone lines are open and your comments are certainly welcome. Uh, in a moment, I want to tell you about the latest crazy thing involving hard drugs. If you thought it was going absolutely nuts in the United States, in Canada, they've gone off the rails because Canada has a problem as well with hard drugs, especially fentanyl. Fentanyl is killing uh, the majority of drug overdose deaths in America right now are from fentanyl. Same thing is true in Canada. So what is Canada's brilliant idea for solving this problem? They have started to give safe fentanyl, meaning it's coming from, it's provided by the government of British Columbia in this case, and they want to give safer fentanyl, meaning that uh, when, you know, if a drug dealer gives you some fentanyl, you don't know what's in it. You don't know what the concentration is. And sadly, a lot of people take doses of fentanyl that end up overdosing them and they die. Now, if your reaction like my reaction is, is, well, you shouldn't be taking it to begin with. That's true. But Canada decided to help address this problem by saying, well, if you're getting these unreliable fentanyl pills on the street, why doesn't the government just provide the fentanyl pills for you? And then you'll know that you're getting safe doses of, of, an, of, of a recreational hard drug. Well, guess what? Uh, there's a journalist in uh, British Columbia by the name of Adam Zevo. I'm not, I haven't talked to him. I don't know him. But he says that their newest plan is that they're going to give safe fentanyl no matter what your age is, meaning that... Uh, uh, children will be able to get safe fentanyl supply from the government of British Columbia. And by the way, your parents will have absolutely nothing to say about whether or not the kids get safe fentanyl or not. It's the kind of crazy liberal idea I'd almost expect some, you know, crazy liberals to adopt in the United States as well. Hey, if the street drugs are dangerous, why doesn't the government just start providing hard drugs for the population and kids too? As crazy as that is, let me go to uh, a naysayer. Uh, Craig, we love naysayers on this program. Uh, what's on your mind today? Uh, good afternoon, Lars. I'm I'm usually 99.9% agreeing with everything that you say. However, the uh, the the um, 
Teachers. Yeah, I, idea, I think you told the producers you want to talk about teachers versus non-teachers because now we've got all these labor unions that represent teachers that say we want to yeah. have more non-teachers hired by public schools because that's going to make education better. I see how it makes things better for the union. Why is, uh, why is it that most school districts have more non-teachers than teachers if the whole point of school is to teach? Well, uh, the, the full uh, spectrum of, of uh, employees in a school, you have uh, cooks, custodians, uh, secretarial staff, and facilities, which uh, facilities is where I work. I work in a school district. And uh, with, without these people, these schools would not be able to function. I get that, Craig. I, no, but hold on. Let me ask you. If you have a school, let's just make the math easy for a dummy like me, because I was taught by unionized teachers back in the day um, in As public I. school. <laughs> I, I didn't go to private school. And uh, if you have a school that has 200 teachers, does it take more than 200 cooks, custodians, uh, assistants, secretaries to run a school with 200 teachers you need 300 non-teachers to run a school well i think what's happening is they're not hiring uh qualified teachers they're they're hiring teachers assistants yeah but the janitor which, isn't which helping. Has, the, they're hiring teachers assistants who are gophers for the teacher right exactly Exactly. Okay, so hold on. Do how many teaching. how many gophers should you need if you've got a hundred teachers in the school and you've got two custodians and six cooks and the principal's secretary and a whole bunch of other people who are not teaching, they're doing non-teaching jobs. How in the world do you get to a greater number of non-teachers than teachers, unless it is assistants? And I mean, should a should a, a man or a woman teaching a class? of 25 kids how many assistants do you need to make that happen well i think the fat lies within the administrations oh i, the I administrators they, they, have, they have yeah they 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 in, invent positions for people that um really have no no function in the school other than to warm a seat and well, well, you know, then you're I, agreeing I, with I, me I'm, right I'm, I do agree with you on 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 the fact that uh, that there there is there's not enough teachers, qualified teachers, to teach our kids, and the ones that are qualified aren't teaching our kids. They're they're teaching their ideals. And I agree. They're indoctrinating kids to the to values and uh, sexuality and all this other stuff. I agree with you, absolutely. but that's a separate problem. Let's start with the first problem. In any school district that has, say, 8,000 uh, total school employees, shouldn't about 6,000 of them be teachers and the smaller number be all the other folks it takes to run the institution? That would probably depend on the size of the district. Hold on. Scaling up or scaling down, shouldn't the ratio be pretty close to the same? If you need X number of teachers... Is the number of non-teachers one quarter of that, one half of that, or equal to that, or greater than equal to that? I mean, no matter how big or small the district is. I'll give you an example, and it goes right to administration, Craig. 
For a long time, I've used the example, New York public schools teach about 1.1 million kids. The uh, Catholic mm -hmm. Archdiocese that runs the biggest sco uh, private schools in New York City is about one-tenth the size. They have 110,000 kids, so it's 10 to 1, right? 1.1 million public, 110,000 Catholic. The public schools mm -hmm. with 1.1 million students have 9,000 administrators in that district. And you'd say, well, then how many do the Catholics have? One-tenth of that, 900? No, they have 28. 28 administrative positions. So the ratio is really high, teachers to administrators, whereas in the public schools, you got 9,000 people in a school district to teach a million kids or 1.1 million kids. Um, it doesn't, and, and most of the teachers who work for the Catholic, and I'm not Catholic, so I'm not biased that way, um, but most of the teachers get paid less to teach in a, a Catholic school why? Because they have actual discipline in the classrooms. And if you get out of line, there's a consequence. Whereas in the public schools, I mean, teachers routinely get shot, knifed, raped, assaulted, and in every other kind of ugly thing mm -hmm. happens in the public schools, mm -hmm. which is a problem you can solve, but you have to solve it by actually having consequences when kids get out of line. Craig, I appreciate a good naysayer call, but it turns out we agree on more than you might have thought. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. It's First Amendment Friday. Emails go to talk at LarsLarson.com. Find our X poll at Lars Larson Show on X and on our website at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. As you may have noticed, last night and yesterday when we got word that there were airstrikes being taken against Houthi rebels, a lot of us thought, isn't this that same group that Donald Trump had named as a terrorist organization uh, that staked out America's position under Trump. And then Biden came in and, of course, had to reverse anything Donald Trump had done, even if it was a good idea, and reverse that. And now we're bombing that group. Uh, let's ask Brian Clark, who is the head of the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson, Hudson Institute. Brian, did I get that mostly right? You did, Lars. It was great. Thanks. Well, I mean, I mean how in the world is I understand Joe Biden and the Democrats, their inclination to say anything Trump's for, even if it's motherhood and apple pie, we're against it, whatever it was. And they come in and they say the Houthis, oh, they're not bad people. Donald Trump was wrong. We're going to rescind that. And now we're bombing the daylights out of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of what's going on is that uh, the Houthis are uh, fighting a civil war against Yemen's government. And the U.S. was trying to make nice with the Houthis in an effort to get a peace deal brokered so that that civil war could be ended. Um, and Saudi Arabia was kind of on board with that idea, too. So that's kind of what was going on in the background when they first came into office. But, of course, since then, the Houthis have taken advantage of that and are now attacking shipping in the Red Sea uh, under the protection of, you know, nobody bothering to attack them until yesterday. Gee, make nice and go along, get along did not impress the people in the Middle East who are mostly impressed by shows of strength rather than shows of of weakness? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it 
never a good never a good plan to try to uh, make nice with uh, Middle Eastern terrorists. It seems. Now, what about the tools that that Biden's using to fight these Iran-backed terrorists? Because again, Joe Biden wants to make nice with Iran, but Iran is backing the Houthis, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. So all the weapons that the Houthis have are coming from Iran. They're coming directly from uh, Iran across the Strait of Hormuz into Yemen. Uh, and uh, that includes cruise missiles, ballistic missiles, drones, uh, radar systems, uh, and all that's being used by Houthi rebels to target ships and attack them in the Red Sea. So uh, what happened last night was the U.S. finally attacked some of those radar sites and some of those weapons caches across uh, the western part of Yemen. So Joe Biden, who freed up $6 billion in frozen assets for his Iranian buddies, and Joe Biden, who jacked up the price of oil and, and then said, yeah, the sanctions are still on Iran, but we're not going to enforce them. So Iran has made roughly $50 billion thanks to Joe Biden, and they're spending it buying weapons, giving it to the Houthis, so then America has to go and bomb the weapons out of existence. That's, that, <laughs> I, I have a proper understanding of this. Yes, that's the ecosystem uh, they set up. So the, and the worst part is Iran is building their own weapons. So they've been able to take advantage of the, the money that's been freed up um, and access to, you know, uh, uh, Western electronics, Western materials that they get, you know, clandestinely. They're not getting this uh, above board. But they've been able to build their own weapons manufacturing industry. So they're building uh, drones for Russia. They're building ballistic and cruise missiles for the Houthis. So they're starting to become an arms supplier in their own right. And we've created, I mean, to a large extent, the United States has either allowed or acquiesced to or even helped create the conditions that now have, have us bombing territories. And the Democrats are actually mad at Biden for not asking the permission of Congress before he did this. Right, right. Uh, yeah, there's some, some Democrats uh, and a couple of Republicans that you know, were concerned about uh, not having an authorization for use of force, which, um, I mean, most most. Uh, observers, most people in the government said, this is self-defense. You know, this is responding to an attack, you know, uh, directly. You know, it's not a random set of strikes that are, you know, separated from the conflict. So this is the U.S. just retaliating for the, the shots being fired at, at U.S. forces and shipping. Yeah, and shipping, and that's the other piece of this. I'm talking to Brian Clark, by the way, from the Hudson Institute. He's the uh, head of the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology. So we've got shipping that's going through that region and it's being attacked and our our service members are being attacked as well and the attacks are being launched by people funded by iran meaning somewhat funded by the united states equipped with weapons that come from iran paid for by changes in u.s policy that put 50 billion dollars in the hands of the mad mullahs you, uh, that is part of that. That's it, definitely. So part of the money that Iran has also comes from China. So China is also buying Iranian oil, uh, just like they've been buying Russian oil. Um, so China is also a contributor to the uh, Iranian arms industry um, and its ability to uh, supply the Houthis and Hamas and Hezbollah. Oh, great. So we can fund the war from the north in Israel, the war from the south in Israel, and we can fund the attacks on U.S. shipping and U.S. military in that in the Red Sea. Right, oh right. right, exactly. Yeah, Iran's done a great job of uh, you know, taking advantage of its you know, geographic position and uh, its uh, you know its relationships with Russia and China. You know, to turn themselves into an arms supplier to all the bad actors in the Middle East.
At the risk of using the Babylon Bee as a news source, I realize they're a parody source. <laughs> I get a kick out of them. But they say Joe Biden's approval rating among defense contractors is now nearing 100 percent at this point. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. Uh, it, they're looking for a strong 2024 for most of these defense contractors just because there's going to be you know, more and more demand. Um, uh, the only question is going to be, is, is the U.S. going to pay for it um, or is it going to be uh, overseas? increasingly is where the defense increases are happening. You know, uh, Japan is doubling their defense budget. So a so, lot of these defense contractors are looking overseas, too. No doubt. So, Brian, you're the certified smart guy. What's the right way to extricate ourselves from this mess? Well, uh, you know, you've got you've to gotta hit these toothy uh, targets, obviously, but you've got to go back and hit the supply chain, right? So you've got to, you know, you don't have to attack Iran directly, but you can figure out, you know, where these uh, supplies are, where the weapons are coming from. What's the transit route? What's the, you know, the, the, the supply chain that's keeping the Houthis uh, armed? Um, and it wouldn't be that hard, you know, data analytics, unmanned systems. We've got a lot of surveillance in the Middle East, obviously. Uh, it wouldn't be hard to trace that out and figure out using uh, AI, you know, where these supplies are coming from and start interdicting them before they can reach Yemen. That's the, that's the way you go after this at the root. Um, you know, and then you start to cut off Iran's access to the sea, even you know, within the, the Persian Gulf. So you can start to take actions that maybe are not, uh, you know, they're more escalatory than what they're doing now without attacking Iran directly. And that would you know, cut the Houthis off from their, their, their uh, benefactors back in Tehran. Does that have much prospect of actually working and working quickly enough to get this to stop? It could if, if they put the effort into it. You know, I think that's exactly the approach that uh, General Carrilla in Central Command uh, and and uh, Admiral Cooper, the the CENTCOM uh, Navy commander, um, that they would like to pursue. I think is to go after these supply routes, you know, figure out where they are, start interdicting them, you know, on a more aggressive basis. But they kind of need the White House and the National Security Council to buy off on that uh, because that's going to involve you know a lot of uh, stopping vessel traffic. Uh, you know, you're preventing people from getting out of Iran, and the uh, White House may be concerned that that's too escalatory. And so the Houthis will just get resupplied and reconstituted. By the way, Brian, I'm, I'm a Trump guy, so I, I make a clean breast of that to my audience that I'm a Trump guy. But during Trump, it was always, are you listening to your generals? Is Trump listening to his generals? Is Joe Biden or whoever it is that's running the show over the White House, uh, since we didn't have defense secretary for a while and didn't even know it, um, is is there evidence the White House is actually paying attention to what the Pentagon is telling him he should do? Because they told him about what was going to happen in, in Afghanistan, and he apparently didn't listen right. to that. He said, forge ahead. And uh, is he listening now is the short, quick uh, question at the end. Yeah, so I think he listens, but he's making decisions based on political considerations more than on military considerations. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Brian, thank you very much. That's Brian Clark, head of the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls on this First Amendment Friday. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. It's 20. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. 
So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy. Look, if you hate cops just because of the cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And as we headed towards uh, towards some really inclement weather in the Northwest, it's a good time to remind you this segment is brought to you by the home power generating folks at Protect Power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. Call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. And our poll on X. If the government puts a tax on ammunition, as some Democrat Washington lawmakers are now proposing, does that cross the Second Amendment line? I would answer yes. You can uh, answer any way you like. At Lars Larson Show on X or on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Let's go to uh, Mike, who's an naysayer. Hey, Mike, what do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer on this uh, soon-to-be-snowy uh, First Amendment Friday? Well, I have a dog in the fight because I am a Roman Catholic person. Sorry to hear that. Um, and the, the question is, you have constantly said that you need to have an authoritative answer if you're going to discuss something. And I am referring to the Credo, which is a compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it says in paragraph 334, how may Christians worship be divided into internal and external, into public and private, into latria, dulia, and hyper. Okay, uh, you got to get to your point because I'm not sure where you're going, Mike. Okay, well, the point is, what is latria? It is no, the adoration. Mike? Okay. Yes. You want to talk about idolatry and that I think that Catholics are, are idolatrous, right? Yes. Why would you say prayers to Mother Mary or Hail Marys uh, when the Bible says you don't worship anybody but God? That's the okay. simple way of cutting that's right to the specific. chase, which I don't think you were going to do. No, that's the specific question I want to answer. The word latria is, stands for adoration in either Latin or Greek. It is the adoration given to God alone on account of his infinite perfection and supreme dominion over all creation. Doesn't answer the what question. Is, all right. What is hyperdulia? No, you know what, Mike? If you want to use a bunch of words that, that come out of a book that's not the Bible, I'm not going to go there. I'm asking you, if you say prayers to Mother Mary, is that worshiping Mother Mary? No. 
It's not. Well, you could have fooled me, because, and, and we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one, but it's interesting. I just wish I can't, can't have you, you know, just reading endlessly from a Bible that most of us, or from a book, not the Bible, that I've never read and most of us have never read. Let's go to Cassandra. Hey, Cassandra, welcome to First Amendment Friday. Hi, Lars. I was listening earlier, and um, I I don't want to sound dumb, but I don't understand how the caucuses work, and I really want to get more involved in the Republican Party here in Clark County. Yeah. And I understand that it got canceled for tomorrow. Um, because of weather. Yeah, mostly because, because of the, the schools won't be open, yeah. But how, okay, how does that actually work, the caucuses, to be yes. able to get, you know, Republicans back in? A caucus basically is a meeting. And, and what, it, what it is is Iowa has caucuses, New Hampshire has primaries. Instead of going to the polls and marking a ballot or, or marking a ballot on your kitchen table and mailing it in, you go to a meeting and they have discussions and there's a process for deciding who, you know, when somebody leaves that meeting, they're going to say, we favor Donald Trump or we favor, in the unlikely event, they favor the rhino Republican Nikki Haley. But, Cassandra, I'm not the best person to explain caucuses to you. It's a very one-on-one -on -one kind of thing, but it also means it only includes those people who actually attend the caucus, uh, as opposed to you know, a, a, a printed ballot or a mail ballot in which everybody who marks a ballot uh, gets a direct say. In, in how many votes you count for Trump and how many votes you count for other candidates. So, um, But I would encourage you to contact the Republican Party of Clark County or whatever county you live in. Uh, it sounds like it's Clark. Okay. And tell them you'd yeah. like to be involved. Uh, and when they reschedule it, show up in one of the meetings. And uh, you'll find it's, okay. it's a very, almost a New England town hall style kind of, kind of uh, way of, of going about deciding who a precinct is going to favor, and then ultimately who the state is going to favor for the Republican nominee. Although at this point, it sounds like Donald Trump's got it pretty well locked up. Let's go to James. Hey, James, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, Lars, we're in Cottage Grove, and we have about 9,000 people down here. And Tina Kotek came down, the governor, didn't, didn't even tell the mayor she was coming into town and went and toured the homeless camps uh, with one of the counselors, which basically he makes his money off of a nonprofit. And um, you would think that if you were going to sit there and tour a small town like that, you would talk to the mayor. You know, it's kind of a contentious issue because we have low barrier and um, we want to go no barrier or high barrier where you don't have druggies in there. Yep. And uh, they know the mayor, the mayor isn't for that. You know, we're for a high barrier system where people actually have to work and get a job and uh, the the ones, the ones they go, yeah, the ones they go to, uh, the people that you know focus on the low barrier system. So they talk to them. We never even got a say so. So I'm trying to tie it in with your first amendment. Well, Friday. I got to tell you something. This is what Tina Kotek has been doing. She's saying she's going out on a listening tour, but what she does is she goes in stealth mode, so nobody knows she's going except the people she wants to know until she's already gone. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, 
precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.